people who do the unsexy, mundane, boring stuff really, really well, not even perfect, just really well, consistently win every time. You're listening to Estimate Rocket Radio, the hassle-free online software for service contractors that keep your business running from lead to pay. We want your business to grow, so we make it easy to get your job done. This is Estimate Rocket Radio. Join our team at EstimateRocket.com. Hello, everyone. It is a great day at Estimate Rocket Radio, and I want to give you all a very warm welcome. My name is Kathleen. I'm a co-owner here at Estimate Rocket, and I'm joined by my very dynamic co-host, Chris Shank, the head of education and engagement at Estimate Rocket. So awesome to be here. I am really excited about this podcast. We are so fortunate and honored to have today in Estimate Rocket Radio Studios, Nick Slavic. You know, congratulations, Nick. You have owned Nick Slavic Painting and Restoration for 14 years. That's just amazing. And I know that you have seen amazing growth and profitability year over year. So you have a lot to talk about there. But you're also the host of a really well-known and respected podcast series, Ask a Painter. And for all of you that are our Estimate Rocket Radio listeners, we will be having Nick on a few times this year doing Ask a Painter series. So we're very excited to be offering that to you. And last but not least, Nick has been on the board of directors for the Painting Contracting Association, the PCA, and Estimate Rocket certainly just values greatly the relationships that we've had for the many years with the PCA. So we talk with Nick today about sales planning. We have the vision conference coming up at Estimate Rocket, and we are all talking about how to plan your company forward. We have an awesome technology and an awesome tool, but we want people to help lay the foundation of what do you want in your company? What do you want for this next year? So we're going to be talking about sales planning, profit planning, This is all part of the vision conference. So Nick is going to tell us how he does it in his company. Really excited. We're going to be on his Ask a Banner show. So really excited about this. We'll send links on how you can connect to that or go to Ask a Painter live on Facebook. Nick, it is so fantastic to have you on Estimate Rocket Radio. Welcome. Oh, thank you guys for this. Uh, I do appreciate the opportunity and especially to talk to you too. We were excited about this. We've got some Ask a Painters coming up where we're going to chat with you about some things. And wow, this we go back a little bit, don't we, with the, the Ask a Painter stuff? We go back to the genesis of Ask a Painter and my um, sort of introduction to the entire industry. Yeah, we go back a long ways. That it, and it's been so much fun. And we were talking over at Estimate Rocket about doing this with you and everybody's just, we're super thrilled. We're watching you. It looks like everything with Escapander is going really good. Yeah, man. We just passed the five-year anniversary. So that means the Genesis was a project that you and I uh, did long ago. And then it basically, Escapander came from that. And we passed our five-year anniversary, which means I think there's 276, 277 shows. I have done <laughs> five years, never missing a week. And honestly, it's it's connected me to some of the brightest minds in the industry, you guys included. And it, it's like opened up my world uh, to what's possible out there by connecting with other people. That is amazing. It's such a gorgeous story, really, because <laughs> it took a lot of work. They say, you know, to really excel, you either have to outwork other people, you have to outwork them or just do something different. I think 
Carpenter on the Cardinals. I should know this because I'm in St. Louis. Outwork others or do something different. That's how you excel. And I just feel like, well, you're outworking everybody because every single Friday, can't even imagine. Kathy, could you imagine? No. It's hard to kind of be turned on for presentations of any kind. And we're talkers. Kathy and I, we're like, we, we love doing this <laughs> stuff. Um, but to do that every single Friday, I mean, and you have, and you've very been, impressive. Yeah. And you've given great content and it's been very unique. And so excited to talk to you about our topic, um, that we're going to be going into with our vision conference. We're going to be helping business owners just have like more of a foundation of understanding what sales planning is. And then later we're going to go into profit planning. We wanted to talk to you and just pick your brain a little bit. Um, especially as we look forward to you doing the ask campaigner on this topic. Let me ask you, what does sales planning for the next year look like for your company, which is Nick Slavic Painting and Restoration, right? Yeah. So uh, sales. So I actually just did this. Uh, I did this for next year. I did this for quarter four of this year. I did a one, two, three, five, and 10 year plan for this as well, because you know my role in this company, one of them oh. is the visionary. And if somebody's not making the 10 year plan, I am. So basically mm. when I sat down to make all the plans for the years, if I'm being honest, it starts with sales. That's the first number you write down mm. and then everything falls in line underneath that. And planning for that is a largely, and Chris, you know how much I love this data plus feelings. There's the feeling, <laughs> which is what do you feel the market's going to do? What do you feel the labor force is going to do? What is your goal? And then the data you back into that with data, with average job size, the amount of estimates you're going to do, how many people need to do those estimates. What's your, you know, it's just it, the data infills where the feelings leave off. Wow. And, and Nick, how would you say you collect the numbers throughout the year to prepare for the sales planning? Ah, human compliance. <laughs> it's it's basically <laughs> setting forth. Um, so I am a huge fan of the simplest, most intuitive systems you can possibly get. And uh, basically, it uh, the the actual avenue of collecting the data doesn't matter as much as holding people accountable to writing down a few simple numbers, you know, making sure that all your estimates are complete, following up with every estimate, uh, following your sold and not sold and, you know, disappeared estimates and things like that. And then having a reporting system, we do it weekly in my company where everybody's held accountable to those numbers. And knowing that you have a meeting coming up where you're going to have mm -hmm. to stand in front of the leadership team and present your numbers and say, if you're on track or off track really forces compliance in a good way. So, <laughs> so you're saying that, you know, just having kind of a plan in place to gather the numbers that, that people are held accountable, you end up getting good enough numbers to work with. Is that, that's kind of what I'm hearing. Yeah. And you know, it's uh this is um, so when you, when you read some business books and when you, when you um, when you see how some other very mature, complex businesses run, it's kind of um, daunting. Sometimes you're like, Oh my gosh, how am I going to do all this stuff? And right. the good part is like, it's a continuum. You know, um, we've been working on professionaling my business for almost four years now, and we did the baby steps. We did the simple things. So we don't add complexity where complexity doesn't have to be there. I think we, we always start simple because I'd much rather have an 80% baked system that's super effective instead of never implementing the perfect system. And mm. you know, Chris, we've talked about that before, never right. letting perfection stand in the way of really, really good. Yeah. So we had Morgan Ray and Torlando Hakes, we were in this conversation. And actually, at Rocket, we've been talking about this stuff too. Um, the whole idea of the perfect is the enemy of the good. And you yes. just practice is the most efficient form of learning. Truly, um, the theory is, is really good to, to intellectualize it. 
but just getting out there and getting the muscle memory in and kind of just by practice learning. I, I do that with, I play chess every day. I've never been great at learning chess theory. I have some guys that read chess books and all that, but I play like at least a game a day, which is like every hour or two hours I make a move, you know, super simple, mm -hmm. but just that little bit, um, you start learning intuitively from your mistakes. You start recognizing the 30th time around the mistake you're making. You're like, oh my gosh, I recognize it. And it's weird when it clicks in. So it, it's easier than you think is what it sounds like to me. Just, just get some kind of a plan and you'll refine that over time. Well, I think, I think it's like, it doesn't have to be complex. And if you start off and it's complex, there's, you know, we keep tons of lists inside my company of, of lessons learned. We have a motto, earn or learn. You either earn mm -hmm. value for a client, you earn money, or you learn a lesson. And mm -hmm. if those lessons are all verbally passed down from generation to generation, it's not effective. So we keep big lists of, we will not do this again. We will always do this again. And that's mm -hmm. just part of it where you start simple, you get some data points, you write down some lessons learned, and then you just keep building complexity on top of that. So mm -hmm. Oof. earn to learn. Can we use that, Kathy? I think we can. <laughs> and, <laughs> Why not? Chris knows too that, you know, obviously I'm not saying anything new. I just have a way of like taking those simple things and using them and then being a loudmouth on the internet. So yeah, <laughs> you don't need to ask me for permission to use that. So, <laughs> well, it's, it's one thing to have the idea, but to actually do it and to do it consistently. Well, who does that? Ooh, it's much, right. it's much more fun to have a new idea every other week. <laughs> just let's try this. Let's try that. Let's try this. Chris, what you just said is probably like, if you could wave the magic wand over all humans, all business mm. the industry and have people do stuff and be consistent with it, you would probably see the largest change ever. People who do the unsexy, mundane, boring stuff really, really well, not even perfect, just really well, mm -hmm. consistently win every time. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. But I'm also hearing besides consistency, accountability. And I love that word. <laughs> accountability is the word of the last two years for me, which is, mm -hmm. you know, I am a upper Midwestern introverted, passive aggressive, stare at my own shoes kind of guy. You wouldn't <laughs> think that from Ask a Painter, but what people don't understand is that I'm usually alone for Ask a Painter. You know, it's not this huge crowd of people. So accountability doesn't come natural to me and earn or learn. I've had to learn through lots of mistakes and things going wrong that, you know what, Nick, lock on the eyes of the other person, walk towards them and say it. That's how you drive a real thing and holding people accountable to their deliverables of their job. And then if they're off track, coaching, mentoring, uh, instructing, uh, in, in a warm, happy environment is the key to win for sure. Yeah, but, but. What if they don't like you for that, Nick? Ah, uh, Chris Shane, the data the would, would point to, uh, the data set points to people find great comfort in a, in a firm handed, happy, mm -hmm. optimistic leader. That's what I found. Mm -hmm. Clear as kind. Exactly. I was going <laughs> to say dare to lead, Chris. Dare, that's it. Dare to lead. We read the mm -hmm. dare to lead book by Brene Brown. And that's, that's what she's all about. It's like, Hey, look, the feelings conversation is, it's not always fun but it has to be had. It just it has, has to be to. had. And, and you know it's, what? People, people are not good at holding themselves accountable. I mean, Lord right. knows there's things where I have accountability partners where I check in daily mm -hmm. and it just is what it is. But, but being self-aware enough to know what you're really bad at and then creating a system to hold yourself accountable. Not a lot of people do that, but the ones who can, boy, it's effective. Hmm. Well, these digressions are the meat of the conversation. When I, we get in a conversation with you, Nick, like this is where the real fun conversation happens. But let me ask you, okay, the strategies for sales planning, can you just give me a couple examples of what a few of those might be for your company this next year? Absolutely. So um, there is, 
it starts with me. Technically, I'm the visionary of the company. So what 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 a what a good leader, at least at in my type of company, in my stage of maturity in business, what you do not do is gather up your entire company and say, what do you guys want to do here? What should we be doing in the future? <laughs> you need to come with some sort of vision. So for me, I'm looking at a whole bunch of new variables that I gathered over the last 18 months. And I've changed my vision for one, two, three, five, and 10 going forward. And I probably do that. I change those four times a year. So it comes from me. Um, I actually uh, schedule out two times during the day where I do ideation where I force myself to unplug from all technology except for low music and force myself to have these consistent repetitive thoughts and let me go deeper into the thinking where I think about my 10-year goal and I try to poke holes in it. So those two times during the day help mm -hmm. me form the main idea. Then the strategy, the actual planning would then be taking it to my leadership team and then saying the same things. Here's what I'm thinking. Here's my data set. Here's what the things are pointing to. My gut and the data and all the feelings point to this. Challenge it. And then I wait for their challenge. Mm -hmm. And what's something that's passed the test as far as like, hey, we're actually going to implement that. Can you give me an example of even one or two things that you're like, this is what my company, Nick's Painting and Restoration is going to do? Yep. So interestingly enough, and this is where the data comes in, which is huge. Um, so we have a production team of two. We have a production manager and we have a project manager. The production mm -hmm. manager is, is obviously, obviously superordinate to the project manager. And when we're looking at what people are capable of in production, um, right now we're at about a $2 million company. If we take those two people and say, we're going to stay at a $2 million company next year, what you're doing is looking them in the face saying, guess what? you guys are going to split up $2 million worth of production and you're going to be bonused probably on a million dollars each. I know from the data in the last year, year and a half that they're capable of at least a million and a half of production and with the right amount of coaching and systems, 2 million. Hmm. So now we have this, we have a decision to make. Mm -hmm. I made the argument that we grow past that in order to support their push goals of them producing a million and a half a piece so that they have that upward mobility. Because otherwise, guess what? We know what the most your bonus can be. And I don't want that to be the case. So that's where the data drives this. But you also need buy-in from the team. So you're thinking about the data, which says, I think a human can produce this amount of profitable work a year. And then you're looking at your team and you're putting in the human component of you're limiting a human's bonus if you don't do something else or something different. But then you bring it back to the team and get buy-in. And you say, listen, mm -hmm. I want you guys, we, we have a minimum goal and we have a reach goal. If, if we coat, our goal is to hit that reach goal. And if you guys both hit it, we're not going to have enough painting production. So here's what I propose. Are you guys on board? And you get buy-in from the team. And you really have to have the team buy-in or else mm -hmm. you're not going to hit your goals. So yeah. that's Heavy fantastic. There, there feels like a big difference between firm-handed, happy, optimistic leader and dictator. It feels like you could slip right into <laughs> the bad <laughs> real quick and you don't want it. That doesn't inspire people. A leader's supposed to inspire people. Right. Exactly. So mm -hmm. I want to know, Nick, when you do have to course correct throughout the year, when you're not hitting your numbers, how do you do that? Mm, oh man, you're assuming we're not hitting our numbers. We had the opposite problem <laughs> this last year. So this, this enters into the whole, no. So if you're not, if you don't hit your numbers, I'll address the exact question first. Mm -hmm. So um, there are weeks where uh, estimator Andy does not hit his numbers. And the most important thing to do is to identify what the exact problem is add it to your list of earn or learn stuff, and then coach. If something is, if it's a technology problem, like early on when estimator Andy came on, um, 
he, he was, I was getting uh, emails back from clients saying, Hey, this awesome guy came out and he handed me a paper estimate, but he never followed up via, I never got the email packet after. And we were finding out his stuff just was going to junk folders and spam folders. So we fixed that uh, technology problem and then it started working again, but we wait for things to pop up like that. And then we coach to those problems, keep a list of those problems. We had one of the most interesting problems, the exact opposite of this, this last year, which was I had never had an estimator before. And the, the, the common industry thinking is an estimator should be able to sell about a million dollars worth of profitable business in a year. Along comes Andy Hall, my beautiful master craftsman estimator, and he is on pace to sell 2 million. And that presents just as many opportunities as problems in the business. Because now when you're thinking about, you know, Chris and I had talked about this years and years ago, where I was sort of a believer in the pod system of painting, where you have 10 painters one production manager and one estimator. An estimator can sell a million, a production manager can produce a million, and each painter will produce about $100,000. That is a $1 million business unit right there. Well, now we have a production manager that can produce 1.5. We have a salesman that can produce two, and we have painters that can produce between you know 1 million and 1.2 million. So now it's not just one plus one plus 10. Now you got this weird interplay of, humans at different levels and their capabilities. And it's, it's interesting as you grow the business, then you, you get these inequities where there's one estimator for every two production people or 1.5 estimator for that. And now we need to discuss it as a team and figure out, you know, if we grow to help the production team meet their reach goals, all of a sudden, Andy doesn't have the capacity for another million dollars in business. Now, what do we do? So Kathy, do you see why everybody loves Nick? (laughs) (laughs) I do. You know, is Nick's talking? I'm thinking to myself, he should be on the Elon Musk team. You know, yeah. I mean, he should be, he should be getting men to the moon and to Mars. And, you know, you could do it, Nick. I know you could. Kathy, I have this, I have this fantasy, like, you know, I consume uh, as much uh, of sort of podcasts and things that have these crazy outlierish people on there. And mm-hmm. I have this fantasy that people like Elon Musk and Jeff Bezos have these leadership team filled with people that would look at what I just said and be like, that was so 20 years ago. That's such small. <laughs> no. Or just poke holes in it and just be like, everything you've ever said is worthless. Your your brain isn't functioning in the right way. This is so <laughs> Neanderthal. Like that, that's how I perceive most of that stuff. I think that there's so many more levels of of that above me that I can't even it's it's a bug looking at a human, basically. <laughs> that's uh the humility though that takes yes, you far. I'm gonna erase that thought. It's, no, I mean, no, here's the thing. Like, maybe I hope that's what's out there because that's really, that's really like that inspires me. You know, <laughs> I was, I was gonna say too. Yeah, I, in in one sense, I'm like, no, it's not true. Just like Kathy's saying, but in another sense, but that's what makes you so good at this is because mm-hmm. you do. You're you got this growth mindset and you've got this humility. It's not humiliation. Humility is not humiliation. It's it's a true belief in that you are good at what you do, but there's other people who are good at what they do. And there's a lot to learn and you're hungry for that. You're hungry for more. And that that's awesome. I think humility that's, and Chris, that's enough with the compliments. Yeah. Humility sincerely <laughs> sees self. And I don't think that's a compliment. I think that is a compliment for people who achieve that, but that's for you. That's for you to realize for yourself. That's for mm-hmm. me to realize for myself. It's realize who you are and who you're not. Cause that's, that's your growing room right there. Right. So that's, that's our only hope. That's all of our only hope, you know, but okay. So awesome. I love how you're breaking it down. Um, 
you've talked about how you bring in your leadership team and how you kind of, you inform them of like what your ideas are, and then you have them help refine it. So if people are wanting to take their leadership team, I'm combining a couple questions here, but if people want to take their leadership team there, they may not have all the same ideas you have, but they're like, I want that process to where I have the people who can be introduced to my ideas and have a hand in helping to refine it because that's ownership. Investment is ownership and they will just, they would just help carry that forward. How do, how do people build that leadership culture in your opinion? Yeah. I mean, again, I, I, like, like most of our conversations, I started, I started off with a pretty unsatisfying answer and then hopefully work up to something better, which is garbage in garbage out. Mm-hmm. It all starts with, if you have a bunch of people who don't meet your core values and don't already share that mission first mindset with you, it's never going to work. It doesn't matter how good mm-hmm. of a leader you are. So mm-hmm. number one, your whole recruiting, onboarding, uh, training process, all that stuff that's unsexy has to be rock solid. You have to know what you're looking for. You have to know what your non-negotiables are. But once, once you do assemble a team of killers who share your core values and mission first, head through a brick wall sort of thing, then you can really start, um, you can really start testing what inspires them. And you can look to disc profiles and personality profiles. But for me, my process of this is um, I take in all the data from everywhere in my business. We have these pretty crazy spreadsheets. They're not sophisticated. They're just full of stuff that you can parse out in different ways. My job as the visionary is to be the future thinker. And I condense these sheets down into a couple like key performance indicators of the industry, of uh, the market, of our company, condense it down into a presentation. And in about 15 minutes, I present a series of somewhere between 15 and 20 slides that says, here's what we've done in the past. Here's where we are now. Here's where I'm thinking of going into the future, but all that is great. And I want your guys input on that. So you can't just show up to people and say, we're going to grow this company 10 X baby. We're going to do it. It's like, 10 X it baby. 10 X just do 10 times more. And it's like, everybody's <laughs> like, fine. I get you. Thanks for the energy. But like, there's nothing, there's no actionable item in 10 X baby. You know what I mean? <laughs> I'm sorry, real quick. Let me throw this in there. It's I, I just have this I like this vision of somebody doing the 10x thing because people throw that around so yes. sloppily. And I'm like, you can imagine somebody saying, Hey, I got a great idea for this company. And you're you're listening as the as their boss or whatever, and then you say, Hey, that's a great idea. I'm just gonna need you to 10x that. <laughs> yeah, just like, yeah, sprinkle not- a little 10x on it and move on with your life. Yeah. So okay. you know, so in that presentation, it is so I am a person who when I, uh, when I rent a hotel room, when I buy a hotel room, I want to look where, what part of the city, where is it located? What's around it? I want perspective. Mm-hmm. My leadership team wants that as well. Where have we been? What has been the history of this? Where are we right now? Look at that trend line. Here's where you're proposing there. It really fills in a lot and it helps them make an informed decision or challenge you in informed ways. When otherwise, if you just say, 10x baby, 5x baby, let's do this. I mean, there's, I, they'd have nothing to base that on. I don't know, maybe 20x is a better choice. Who knows? Yeah. Unrealistic expectations leads to futility. And <laughs> it's fatigue and futility. And you just, you'll crush them. You'll crush. And it's, come on, man, be realistic. Give me something to dream for. Give me something to reach for. But let's start with, let's get some data in there. I love it. I just want to say, you know, Nick, you're so inspirational as a, as another leader, because you're 
you're like uh, General Patton, you know, you're mm -hmm. giving the team the vision of what needs to get done. You're breaking it down for them and you're rallying them and saying, okay, I can't just do this. We need to do it all together. And are we in agreement and are we ready to go accomplish this annual goal? And I think it's fantastic the way you yeah. strategize like that. Well, man, I, I am... It, boy, if I could pull up a patent quote right now, this would be the greatest <laughs> you would. Of all time. I am, I'm completely blank. I wish I knew history better. <laughs> <laughs> well, he's quite an interesting and renowned general and one of compassion and mm. inspiration. So that's what made mm. me think of him when I was listening to you. Wow. So Nick, with Ask a Painter, you know, what's coming up? in, in the rest of 2021 and 22 and, and how can people find you? Because at estimate rocket, we think you rock and we think you're absolutely amazing. Wow. Well, thank you. Thank you for that. And I know that we've talked about this before. We, we share a lot of the same core values. Mm -hmm. uh, we believe that, uh, a lot of the things that estimate rocket can do for people, uh, would be beneficial for the entire industry. And, and it's all the things we just talked about here. And we will be partnering up on some uh, Ask a Painter live shows, uh, a couple here in the year. And one of the things that uh, we're going to offer people, and it, for viewers of Ask a Painter, you know exactly what we're doing. Yes, we're going to talk about the data, the nuts and bolts, the actual process of something. But I love theory. I love the theory behind it all. You got you to gotta marry the actual tactics mm -hmm with the strategy together. And, and we're going to go deep on both. Looking forward to some Ask Painters with you um, and continuing this conversation. There's always, I just love picking your brain and then just the sparks start flying and we just <laughs> jump into the fray and we're like, let's, we're creating new worlds all the time. They're just spinning out one after the other. And we're just like, we could live in that one, but let's, let's create this new one. Let's <laughs> but you're, you're somebody who does, you, you go forward, you, you live out a world, you live out an idea and you take it to its furthest conclusion, but you take a lot of people with you. Mm -hmm. And then you, at the birth of the next world, you say, Hey, where do you guys want to go next? And so many people just are like, take me with you. <laughs> and I think that's what you're doing with the industry. And it's really fun. So excited to be a part of it. And um, thanks for being on the podcast. This has been awesome. Oh man, listen, the opportunity to talk with you guys is humbling to me. Thank you. You're so kind. <laughs> you're listening to Estimate Rocket Radio the hassle-free online software for service contractors that keep your business running from lead to pay. We want your business to grow, so we make it easy to get your job done. This is Estimate Rocket Radio. Join our team at EstimateRocket.com. Sprinkle a little 10X on it and move on with your life. <laughs>